0: Thank you once again for tuning to the podcast. We certainly appreciate each and every one of you that listen. Tune in each and every week. Thank you for our homeschoolers, those listening in chapel services. When we stayed in Blaine last week, I heard several folks listen to the podcast, and that brings great joy to me to know that young people are listening to the Word of God. And we're seeing a move amongst young people. We're seeing the children stirred. We're seeing the young people stirred for the glory of God, and that's the purpose that God has purposed in these meetings. Young people are going to be the next generation. They're going to take the things uh, that God is showing them now and take them far above and beyond the things that I've ever done, the things I've ever gone with God, the places I've ever been. And I believe this next generation is going to continue to take the word of God. We missed a generation. Uh, We taught them to deny the faith, deny the King James, deny the godly music. We taught them all those things, not outwardly, but because we taught them that the word of God uh, meant nothing. We could correct it. We could change it. We could alter it. And so they took that the rest of their lives, they'll cling to that idea that the King James Bible is not perfect, that the King James Bible be corrected with other languages. The King James Bible is really just another book that man has written. And I've watched that generation come along behind me. I've watched those 25 to 45-year-olds. They've denied the faith. They've rejected the gospel. We have a huge lapse in preachers, a huge gap in preaching today. But thank God there's some young coming along behind. Thank God we're seeing a move of God amongst young people. And I want to foster that. I want to help them. Uh, One of the things that I didn't really speak of yesterday in the podcast, I'm going to talk about today on the podcast. uh, We saw at least three men in the services in the last week surrender uh, their lives to the call of God. And what a blessing that is. It brings great joy to my heart. I have never been in a meeting where two people ever surrendered to the will of God. I've only had services, maybe one person, two different times that I know of have surrendered to do God's will to preach the gospel. We had three men in the meeting that God gave them uh, the call and they surrendered. One man said he's been fighting for years. Another man said he's been wrestling for a couple months. Another man just knelt at the altar and said God had showed him he needed to surrender to that call. And thank God for that. How we bless the name of the Lord. And I want to help these young preachers. I want to teach them the things I know. And then he instruct them in how to study the word of God. And they'll learn the word of God on their own. They'll learn the Word of God in study. They'll learn the Word of God in preaching, in the ministry. Thank God for that. So pray for these young men. Pray God will use them greatly. And pray the Word of God will continue to go forth. It is by the faith of Jesus Christ. And therefore we see that by faith. All glory be to God. I'm glad that by the faith of Christ these men can go and preach. Because through faith they found grace with Christ. They found salvation through Jesus Christ. And we bless His name. We're back in Matthew 16. And I said a couple comments about the King James Bible because of this passage. And the one thing I want to look at In verse 6, Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees, Bible correctors, Bible changers, many of them ultra separated. Many of them, their separation is so good that you or I can't even obtain the separation that they have, but it's all outward. It's not inward. They've not separated themselves unto Christ. It's just an outward separation. And if a man has a stronger separation stand than I do, I rejoice in that as long as he's not trying to lay that stand upon me, as long as he's not trying to burden me with his separation stand. One thing I've learned, without faith, you're not going to have any separation. It's just all going to be fake. It's all going to be phony. And that's what the Sadducees, the Pharisees both are doing. Uh, they sneak in. They creep in. They give their ideals and their theologies and all their practices. And yet it's all a show with the flesh. Jesus, Jesus Christ has revealed that in earlier chapters in the book of Matthew. I mean, we see that they have created this religion. And then they're they're going to bind this religion upon others, and that is most religions. And the man had told me recently we were contending over something uh, that he had brought to attention that he disagreed with me on, and that contention became fairly sharp. And I understand with pride cometh contention, but when you have the Bible, you know, you can contend over things without pride, and it takes two to tango, and therefore one or both are filled with pride. And in a conversation, I said, well, we're just going to believe the word of God. He said, well, that's what every religion says. They're following the Bible. And so I began to look, and I actually realized, no, they do not say they're following the Bible. Fundamentalists say they're following the Bible. But most religions don't even claim to follow the Bible. They'll say, we follow the doctrines of Martin Luther. We follow the doctrines of John Wesley. Uh, you know, we follow the doctrines of, uh, of the Pope. We follow the doctrines of the bishop. And they don't even claim to believe the Bible. And so when I said to him, we're just going to believe the Bible, he took that as kind of a front, claiming that's what all do, but they do not all believe the Bible. And therefore, we see in fundamentalism, we see a generation that does not believe the Bible. That's the leaven. That leaven is leavened the whole month. I heard a preacher last year, and he made the statement. He said, this Ashbury Revival down there in Kentucky, and one of the great failures of it is the generation of fundamentalists that were taught to deny the Word of God, taught that the music is all flexible, taught that the Greek corrects the English, and we're going to go back to a, a language that God took the Word of God out of and put it in English for us, and we're going to revert back to that language to show our intellectual stability and our genius and how smart we are. And he said, and that's the generation of the Ashbury Revival. That's why you can get up there without preaching and call it revival. That's why you can get up there and bump and sway and call it revival. And they can have uh, the Eucharist because they don't believe the Bible. And we've taught that generation. That's the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They have taught a generation that the word of God means nothing. Our traditions outweigh the word of God. And they reason among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said to them, O ye of little faith, why reason you among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. Do you not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves or the five thousand? And how many baskets you took up? Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000, how many baskets you took up, how is it that you do not understand that I speak it not to you concerning bread, that you should be of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? And they couldn't understand that. They're still looking at the bread. They're still looking at their hunger. They're still looking at their fleshly issue. The problem with starvation, which is a matter of the flesh. They could not see the spiritual. They couldn't see the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of the Sadducees is correcting the word of God. I've used the illustration many times, but it's something that's very fresh today, still in my mind. There was a young lady that came out of one of these Bible colleges, and I'd mentioned her something about the Bible, and she said, oh, I love Greek word studies. And I didn't rebuke her. I just said, well, I love English word studies. And she kind of sighed and said, well, you'll get so much more out of the Greek. And I said, well, no, you'll get so much more out of the English, because God's uh, given you the English and the language you understand. But what she couldn't understand is what she meant is she goes and gets a dictionary and in that dictionary, it tells you different variants of that Greek word, and you look up definitions of those words, and therefore, you know, you can kind of stretch the word of God and cover about three different words with one word, and kind of lump it all together and change what God says, and oh, it's just such a wonderful thing. And I just explained to her, I said, well, I can look up a word in the English and know what it means and run it through the Bible and have great light on that word. And I can look up those other two words that the Greek New Testament and the Greek scholars say, well, this means this, and this means this, and I can have great light on those words. And I said, and and I'm content with that, but I do it in my own language because God gave me a book in my own language, and immediately she said, well, it was translated out of the Greek. And so what she's saying is one of the major Bible colleges of fundamentalism has taught her and told her that what she needs is she needs a better translation. So she has to go back, really, to 1883 and F.H. Scribner's Greek New Testament and study that, and that will give her light. Even the Scribner himself said that he took it out of the King James. The first thing they had to do when they constructed the Bible, according to Encyclopedia Britannica... The first thing they had to do when they reconstructed the Bible for the ESV is they had to go create a Greek New Testament that they could translate from. So they took the King James, and they used scraps, and they used pieces, and they used Bezos, and they used Erasmus, and they came up with a Greek New Testament that is commonly reported today, that that is Textus Receptus. It was created in the 1880s by the committee of Westcott and Hort, yet every fundamentalist goes and grabs that version of the Greek New Testament, holds it up as the Word of God, and then compares all Scripture to that. And it's not, They deny it. They say, well, that's not what happened, but history tells you. The encyclopedia tells you. Understand the scripture tells you. Westcott and Hort wrote about when they did that. Scribner himself wrote when he did that. Why? Because they took the English Bible that they had, they made a Greek translation out of that book, and then diligently compared it with the ESV and came up with the ESV, and everything changed. And now we've had raised a generation, the last 20 years, that's been looking at that, saying, well, you know what, uh, this King James Bible is a good translation, but why don't we try this translation? And Many of them become followers of Sprout, and they become followers of MacArthur, and they go out for new versions, become Calvinists, or they go into this hyper-dispensationalism. Why? Because they don't believe the Word of God. And that's the leaven. That's the leaven that's leavened the whole lump. That's the leaven that's destroyed us. And it's not that you can't learn Greek and learn Hebrew. It's not that you can't sit there and read a Greek New Testament, read a Hebrew New Testament. But The first time you say, no, this is not a good translation of the Bible, you have told young people and old people alike that you know more than God, and you have told them literally the word of God means nothing to you. And therefore, they'll take that and they'll run. Why? Because they're carnal. At best, they're carnal. And so if you tell them they don't have to obey the scriptures, they're not going to obey the scriptures. And that's why hell is translated the grave. That's why hell is translated the abode of the dead. Go look in the NIV. It says the abode of the dead in Psalm 1610. Go look in the new King James. It says the grave. And therefore, King James Bible preachers quote the NIV. They quote the new King James because they have been taught the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And it has leavened the whole, and the disciples couldn't see what their leaven was. They have traditions that outweigh the word of God. They lay burdens on men outside of the word of God. First thing they do, they send them off to college. Where are they going to take two years of Greek? Why? They're going to lay a burden on them, and they're going to tell them this burden is really going to show you, and yet they rarely teach them the Word of God. I had a man just the other day, made a statement. He said, in the meeting last week, there was more preaching and probably more edification than you would have got in a a year of Bible courses. And he said, I took correspondence courses. And he said, for quite a few correspondence courses, I I learned more last week than I ever learned in those courses. We had a man this year up in New York. A young man with a college degree, a four year degree from a major fundamentalist college. And he came to the meeting and he told me on his own, without prodding, without prompting, he said, I learned more this week of the Bible than I learned in four years of Bible college. Why? Preach the word. Men's an in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Doctrine must be taught. Long suffering must be the key to teach that doctrine. That men can grasp these things and understand these things. I had a man this week, a good man. I mean, a good man. One of the best men I know and uh, came out of religion, God saved him, God saved his wife, God's given them a, a new turn in life, They've been coming to the church there, and they sat under the surfaces, and he told me, he said, I, I really was disagree with some things you preach Sunday. I just couldn't see it. Man, I couldn't see it. He said, you're preaching Monday. And he said, man, I was struggling. All of a sudden, God showed me. And he goes, all of a sudden, I saw it. All of a sudden, I realized the Bible says it. It's right. And God opened up the Word of God to him, and he's grasping things in the Word of God. He's understanding things in the Word of God. Why? Because he was always taught the Bible is a skeptical book. It's a book that you can look at with skepticism. In verse 12, and understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And it's an awful thing. And yet, that's what's laid on men today. The doctrine, you must have a high education. And what's amazing to me is even in this last six weeks of preaching, we've been on the road preaching somewhere the last six straight weeks. We give God the glory. I preached over 60 messages, including the podcast, in the last six weeks. And I give God the praise, give God the glory for the strength he's given us and how we thank him. And I've had people of low degree... People without high school education, people that have absolutely uh, no degree of any type from an institute of learning, folks that have terrible grammar, folks that have terrible upbringings, folks even raised in poverty, folks with few life skills. And one by one, I've watched as they've come and revealed things that God has shown them in the scriptures. I had a lady who's been sitting in our church for several years now, came up to me out of the blue. And just, Brother McVeigh, I want to tell you something God showed me in scripture. She said, I was hesitant to tell you, but I just thought I'd tell you, I said, dear sister, please tell me. Let me see. Let me know that people are seeing things in Scripture. There's no greater joy it brings to my heart when somebody says, Brother McVeigh, I saw Jesus Christ in Psalms. I saw Jesus Christ in Proverbs. I saw Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. I saw the suffering Savior. When I went over to Hebrews, I realized that was him. No greater joy when somebody says, Brother McVeigh, we've been looking at the book of Matthew and God's revealing truth to us inwardly. No greater joy do I find. And my friend, that's the key. That's the understatement, these unsearchable riches of Christ, that treasure in earthen vessels. And God has made it available to whosoever will. And if you'll come and take this water of life freely that he offered at the end of the book of Revelation, you too can understand there's unsearchable riches of Christ. You don't have to have a doctorate degree. You don't have to have language training. You just have to believe that book that's in your hand, and you need to separate from the doctrine of the Pharisees and other Sadducees, because that little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A lot of churches have been completely leavened by that doctrine, but thank God there are some coming out. Have a great day. There is a lost soul who's tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manassa Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption. For all it nine. There only was Now the angels of God. prodigal oh child has come home and the saints all with gladness are singing the glory—a song of the re-